Welcome back, everybody, to the Brew Crew Podcast, episode 12. Got the whole crew in the house today, very excited, and this is going to be a commander-packed cast, which happens to be our favorite format as a crew. It's the one that kind of keeps us together, especially in these uh, rough times, so we're very excited to be reviewing all the legends uh, that are coming at us in Zendikar Rising, as well as the pre-constructed decks. Um... There's a total of 17 legends in this set. They cover basically all the two color combinations and all the mono colors. Um, and they range from everywhere in terms of tribal mechanics to giant crab monsters. Um, so we're just going to go down and talk about them all. Um, I have them all up in alphabetical order, so if you're following along, you can easily go. First one, Kiri, Fearless Voyager. She's a core warrior, cares about equipment. I know, Oak, you're pretty hyped about this one. You want to tell us how... What you're uh, looking to slot this into? Yeah, so um, I remember a few episodes back, I mentioned that I was hoping we would see uh, Bruce Tarl return in uh, this new Zendikar set. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case, but we got uh, possibly the be second best thing in terms of uh, Boros cards. Uh, we got Akiri. Um, I was a really big fan of the previous iteration of Akiri. Um, I thought it was, uh, you could say at least that it was underrated. So, um, besides just Akiri being uh, cool flavor-wise, I really like the love that Red and White have been getting recently with the these sort of legends that can actually do things uh, that involve the words drawing card, um, and sometimes even without, in the case of Red, having to discard card first or afterwards. So, as you can see with this one, uh, it's... You know, it's very encouraging of attacking with equip, equip creatures. Uh, that's another thing, actually, too, I, I like on cards, is cards that encourage people to attack. It's even better when you can encourage your opponents to attack. And, let's see, besides that, the low converted mana cost is great. I think, with the exception of a few uh, commanders that I'm sure you guys are very familiar with uh, that I like, uh, I, I enjoy the low converted mana cost. Commanders, because you can kind of play them a little bit more willy-nilly. Uh, you don't have to be as afraid of them being removed. Speaking of being removed, that is hopefully not something that will happen to Akiri and the creatures on your side very often, uh, given her pretty sweet activated ability, uh, which involves unattaching an equipment from a creature you control. Um, and you do have to tap the creature as well at a cost of white, but that creature gains indestructible, which is... Awesome. Uh, I I think that really uh, makes for a very resilient deck. All you gotta do is just keep a little bit of uh, white mana open every turn, and uh, you're possibly wog-proof, which is great uh, for Commander especially. And the last thing I like to say about this card is just that I love any deck that I can slot Sunforger into. And it's even better when the Commander synergizes with Sunforger in, to some extent. <laughs> Uh, because it's just such an awesome card, mm -hmm. and yeah, that's 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 my piece on a carry. What do you guys think? Well, what I want to ask Oak is, uh, do you think there's enough equipment coming out with this set, and then maybe going forward that we might see an Akiri? Ah, uh, that's that's really tough to say. Um, there is some great equipment in standard right now, and obviously there's there's a couple cool ones. Uh, coming out. Obviously, the big one that I'm sure comes to everyone's mind is Embercleave, um, but, you know, mm -hmm. that's that's only one in 60 cards. I could... Yep. Yeah. 
Um, but I'm not sure. Right, uh, one it, in It's 60, tough yeah, to yeah. say. Um, the one thing I'll say is that the the ability to give creatures you control indestructible, I feel like, is less relevant in Brawl since it's it's a less uh, Wrath of God heavy format. Yeah, if that makes sense. There's there's two less players that could be casting Wraths every turn okay. and. Um, mm-hmm. there aren't as many, there just aren't as many rats in the format as well. So, yeah, that's what I'd, I'd say. It's a maybe. Well, speaking of Brawl, Chev, what's the chance that you're going to be, uh, rolling up with a Shia Soul of the Wild deck anytime soon? <laughs> well, I mean, when I, when I started playing Brawl much more regularly, I think it was with Nissa from War of the Spark, uh, was, it was a mono green Brawl deck that absolutely heinous. I haven't updated in a while, but I... 100% know when rotation hits I could swap the commander of that with the Shia and be off and running and I think just like the power I mean like power and toughness equal to number of lands especially in a green color is going to be ridiculous most of the time uh, with any kind of ramp but what really gets to me is the non-token so for those of you unfamiliar it's two green and three generic elemental legendary creature um, the second ability is non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types so while this isn't so much of a brawl thing, this does get pretty crazy in uh, more eternal formats like Commander because, well, just like think about all the cards you know that trigger off uh, forest or creatures and then how you can abuse them. Um, for example, there's like Quirion Ranger, a, a elf staple that's uh, return a forest to your hand, I believe, to untap target creature you control. Of course, now you can bounce your own creatures for free uh, one per turn. Uh, to kind of avoid rats or things like that. Um, this card being spoiled also caused a bit of a spike in a card called Timber Protector from Lorwyn, um, which, as one of the abilities, gives all forests you control indestructible. Um, and we see, you know, creatures being indestructible on, like, Avacyn causes it to be a pretty, pretty powerful commander. So anytime you get, like, cards that add additional types to other ones, like, there's a lot of just extra synergy you get rolling in there. And I'm not 100% sure on what all of it is, but anything like, uh, even from, you know, the last time we went to Zendikar, where I think it's a green creature that gives all land creatures you control vigilance. And now that gives vigilance to all of your creatures. And so anything that kind of like bridges that gap and you can kind of utilize to untap creatures you control now untaps your lands. And I, I think there's a lot of potential here to be an absolutely ridiculous commander. Uh, Kamal turns your lands into creatures. This is all of your creatures are lands. So anything that destroys creatures, it's not touching your lands. Um, all of all of your like your mana base is still a okay. This just makes your creatures get the additional type. Um, and I know uh, Oak's uh, Noyan Dar deck plays a lot of the tech that's like um, destroy non-land permanents. Uh, this you know you play those rats in a deck like this, and now you know all of your creatures are protected as well. Yeah, I was just about to call out like. Things that say destroy target non-land permanent usually exclude lands. Now your creatures are safe because screw you. Catch me coming with Armageddon's. I'm going to start slotting <laughs> them up. They're cheap, boys. They're cheap. I can tell you that much. I think what what most excites me about this deck is, is that it fits really well with Zendikar because now every time a creature enters the battlefield, or at least a non-token creature enters the battlefield, you get a landfall trigger. And so some things like Omnath or creatures where you really want to trigger that landfall ability multiple times, you can now do that without playing direct ramp spells. You can just sort of play your land and then play your creatures out and you get those landfall triggers 
just based off of playing your creatures and playing out. Chev, I believe when this card was spoiled, you pointed out, uh, you maybe saw on like a Twitter thread, uh, an interesting interaction with Blood Moon. Do you remember how that works? That goes like deep into layers. Something happens that's not to your benefit if you play a Shia. I, I freaking hate Blood Moon and layers, dude. <laughs> I freaking hate Blood Moon. Period. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the end result is that a Shia just dies uh, and everything else is back to normal. Yep. Yes. All of your non-token lands, including Ashaya, are mountain lands in addition to their other types, and they have no abilities except tap, add red. Ashaya's power and toughness are definitely through a characteristic-defining ability. Her power and toughness are undefined if she loses that ability and thus treated as zero. She is now a zero-zero creature, goes back to the graveyard the next time a player would gain priority. All other non-token creatures control revert back to being creatures. Well, speaking of lands that are creatures and creatures that are lands and creatures that Maybe should be Lance. Um, we have Charix, the Raging Isle, who is a uh, crab island thing. Um, so Charix, the Raging Isle, two and a blue and a blue for a, a Leviathan crab. Um, the lore is that it's pretty much, yeah, it's just an island. Like, there's a whole island on, on the back of this crab. I, I wish they had did something kind of like um, Eryxmethes from a while back. Where Julian, it was did you say this land. is an island crab? It's a Leviathan what? crab. No, he Levi wants yeah. it to be an island crab. No, I said Leviathan crab. Okay, all right. And then I said the lore is that like it like is so big that it's like an island. There's like you know all sorts of there's a whole ecosystem on his back. I know you haven't taken biology in a while, Jeff, but um, get your geology out of here. Well, no, I was saying I wish they did something like a Rixmithies a while back that was like a land, right? And then once you get all those uh, counters off of it, it becomes like this giant thing. Um, but you know. They, they didn't. They just uh, made it hard to target. So spells your opponents cast that target. This uh, costs two more to cast. Um, and then, but they did make it big. Jeff, what, what are those stats on that thing? I believe the stats are a 0-17, Julian. Oh, so you're not attacking anytime soon. You're just blocking for days. Well, that's what you would think, Julian. But of course, the three generic mana activated ability, um, Charix gets plus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of islands you control. So you can start swapping those stats around pretty quickly. Oh, so you come in there and give them the pinch. Now, uh, Julian, I'm not sure how up-to-date you are on the, the lore that was spoiled today. Not at all. I am not at all. They went into a bunch of these legendary creatures, and the big thing about Charix is it was, it was a tiny baby crab that um, I think it was when Seagate exploded. Like, all these hedrons and stuff, like, fell into the bottom of the ocean. And we get a bit of a Yargle-like story here, where the magic of the, the hedrons, like, hit a nest of crab eggs. And then one of the crabs, like, woke up and decided that it kind of tasted yummy. And so it, it started feeding on, like, ancient core technology and power. And then as Charx, like, grew, that became its sole food source. And was like, I'm going to eat all this. And then, you know, eventually it got so big... Um, that it became like, you know, a somewhat island, but really wanted bigger sources of magic and power. So it came out from the depths to go chomp on some stuff. Uh, personally, I I saw this card and instantly it reminded me of like my very first Brawl deck, uh, Tetsuko Umazawa Fugitive from Dominaria, which if you are unfamiliar, blue and too generic for a 1-3. The main point is the ability is creatures with power or toughness one or less can't be blocked. So instantly, you know, alarm bells are ringing in my head. Play that commander and slide in a Cherix and find a way to get to a 16-1 and just swing 
for massive amounts of damage. Just give him double strike, then you're killing people. Give him double strike, done. I, I do really like how it is very contingent on the number of islands you have. Like, to the point where you actually have to somewhat keep inventory of the number of islands in play. And, like, maybe you play a tap land instead of an island, like, if the numbers and uh, your available mana, like, plan out. Because it's plus X minus X, so, you know, you could kill Cherix relatively easily if you weren't watching your um, activations or the number of islands on the field. And, of course, to get it to, especially with uh, Tetsuko, when you're wanting to get a 16-1, um, you have to be very careful about how many times you activate, how many lands you have, and it becomes almost a numbers game, which I think adds a, another level of complexity that is very interesting. Um, and I think, I think if you're playing him in Commander, as opposed to Brawl, there's a ton of like blue enchantments that are just like, no, it's unblockable. And then you got a, a bunch of solid artifact equipment that you just slam jam in there, and you got yourself a deck. But um, I'd be interested to see you adapt this into Brawl and for other. I honestly, I want to see. I want to see this as like a top of like top top mid range like mono blue. Just all right, bunch of tiny blue like beaters and flyers and things, and then just Jarks, wham. Well, you know, we we haven't done a plus forty in a while. We could we could try something with making it a Brawl deck and then convert that into Commander. I'm, I'm definitely up for something like that. I would love to see you do that. I'd, I'd be very interested. Um, I honestly don't have a segue between this and our next card, but it deals with plus one, plus one counters, and when that comes along, we turn to Eric. Eric, Drana the Last Blood Chief. Let's talk about tribal commanders, and let's talk about plus one, plus one counters. Um, Drana the Last Blood Chief is two black, three generic, for a legendary creature, vampire cleric. Uh, so, she can go in your party, just a heads up. Eight. Um, she flies... And whenever she attacks, defending player chooses a non-legendary creature card in your graveyard. Return it to the battlefield with a 1-1 counter on it. The creature's a vampire in addition to its other types. So, this strongly encourages you to run things that that sort of love vampires generically. And you can play a bunch of good vampires, but you can also play things that aren't vampires that you would like to become vampires. I just really enjoy the flavor that I think, I think other Dranas have had in the past where they, they have the ability to turn your creatures or turn other creatures into vampires because it fits sort of thematically with vampires like making thrills and making other people into vampires. Speaking of making things, I feel like you could make a lot of friends with this. I feel like this is a, a very political sort of commander because you can say, hey, I'm going to attack you. I'm going to hit you for four real quick. Let me get this back so that I can merc so-and-so's problematic permanent, you know? Yeah, give me my ravenous chupacabra. Give me my noxious gear hulk. And I'll deal with that problem for you. And so I I really like political commanders that also have agency, where it's not just uh, the big stupid hippo on the reserve list. Um, <laughs> Feldegriff. 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 Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Feldegriff is just like, ah, everyone gets stuff. Whereas this is like, I'm going to hit you for four. And like, sorry, that's what's about to happen. But if you don't murder my commander, here's what we can do together. I think this is going to be great, everything from, like, kitchen table magic up to, like, relatively high power, because you can just build a suite of really, really useful, like, toolbox creatures and just run a lot of the black cards that just jam stuff into your graveyard and then build a very customizable, like, pool of things that you get to resurrect from. So what do we, uh, what do we got next, Julian? Are you, are you stuck uh, trying to think of segues? I am. I really... I had, a, you know, I had a couple... And then the, the conversation just took turns that I, I was not ready for. Um, but 
this next commander likes to cast spells, and you've really been on a, a spell spell casting uh, kick, Chev, with your uh, Toshiro, and that's a uh, Kaza the Royal Chaser. Ooh, had to squint real quick. Um, tell us tell us about this this human wizard, Chev. Can join your party. Uh, Kaza the Royal Chaser is a blue and a red for a one-two uh, human wizard, as Julian mentioned, a flying and haste. But more importantly, tap. And the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less, where X is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves. Now, I, I remember this is one of the cards that we did a, a preview of on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, Julian Julian seemed like he wanted to add something. Chev, I just want to know what spell you want to cast the most with this, because you could potentially discount a spell by a lot. It's got to be something with X in the cost. Um, I I actually don't have a consistent target. I was just, you know, so many ideas were running through my head of mostly just the more generic, like getting to drop uh, a huge draw spell. Uh, how about Enter the Infinite? That uh, draws a lot of cards. <laughs> Forget you might say that draws uh, That draws cards. your entire deck, yep. Jeff. Oh, yeah. Whole thing. <laughs> so that could definitely, you know, draw a few of them. Yikes. You know who else is a wizard is... um. Laboratory Maniac. I think he's a wizard. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he might be. <laughs> yeah. I, I see where we're putting it together. I was thinking Stroke of Genius, personally, just to completely fill your hand with everything um, insanity. But I, I just really like the idea of, you know, having a wizard commander and a spellslinger commander that's less focused on, like, either duplicating wizards, like Inala, duplicating spells, recasting them. This is just kind of like, yo, I'm going to get all my wizard buddies together, and when we do, bad stuff is going to happen for all of our opponents. That and Kaza is riding what appears to be a sort of, like, elemental surfboard, which to me just screams, like, absolute awesomeness. Um, and that's really what I wanted to play most out of this. It's just ride with surfboard. someone with a surfboard. And I'm also, surfboard. you know, <laughs> as we've been told of the, the next year of Magic releases, after we get call time in uh, January, it's, what is it, like, spell tricks, spell... Uh, point is, it's a, a Hogwarts-esque plane in April. Uh, so... If there's not wizards in that that provide support for Kaza, I will be very concerned. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for this from terms of just, you know, like uh, playing a bunch of wizards at once and being able to discount big flashy spells, but also for the potential of growth from uh, upcoming sets and wizard support. One of one of the last points I want to leave everyone with, with uh, Kaza Royal Chaser, is, you know, since this is about the number of wizards, anything you can do to kind of get, like, wizards on the field is going to be a useful mechanic. So, in kind of, like, looking at this card, I was seeing if there's any cards that create wizard tokens. There's a flip card from um, Eldritch Moon uh, called Docent of Perfection, I believe. Um, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, create a 1-1 wizard token. So, I mean... I'm not saying that there's a, a bit of synergy here, but I I would definitely want to be playing that uh, connection at some point soon because that seems like it'd be a lot of fun. Our next commander doesn't care about tribes like these last two ones. He just cares about attacking. He wants to get dirty. Oak, what's our favorite Minotaur warrior doing? All right. So Morog, Fury of Akum, is a four, four red red legendary Minotaur warrior. Each creature you control gets plus one plus O for each time it has attacked this turn, which I believe does mean the first time they attack, they just get plus one plus O. And then the more exciting uh, half of Morag is is landfall ability. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. 
this uh, really seems like a very abusable ability, and I think a lot of people that I've spoken to have had sort of had that opinion on it. Um, I'm going to take the sort of opposite stance. I'd say with Morag as a commander, uh, this ability is going to be pretty difficult to sort of find a way to take more than like a couple le a couple which I know is a lot, a couple attack steps per turn. Um, it's definitely not off the top of my head something I could see going infinite very easily. Um, as someone who's had an Atali deck, uh, Atali falls into a very similar sort of uh, archetype as Morog, where it's basically just, you know, it's, it's a big six mana, actually, so yeah, same mana cost creature without any keywords, that just wants to attack as many times as it can. And it seems like when you play cards like that, uh, the other people you're sitting at the table with are going to want to prevent that from happening as much as possible. And uh, stopping them from doing so is unfortunately very difficult in Mono Red. Uh, basically, uh, you're going to want... like The best protection you've got, essentially, is like Conqueror's Flail. Uh that's really the only thing that can stop people from attacking on your turn. Red doesn't have a whole lot of, like, protection spells. Um, if you have an opponent playing blue, you can play, like, Red Elemental Blast, but that's not always the case, although it's usually a safe bet that at least someone's playing blue if uh, you're in, you know, a, a group of four. And uh, so, thankfully, um, one one sort of difference between Morag and Itali is that Morag doesn't uh, himself rely on having haste as much, since uh, it, it, he doesn't actually need to attack in order for you to get like the really good effects uh, out of him. Uh, but despite that, um, not all the creatures you run are probably going to have haste, so you're still going to want like a, a very similar shell to Atali, where it's just like a lot of haste enablers, and you just want to... When, when Morag's out, you just want to get people attacking as soon as you can and as much as you can uh, before he inevitably gets killed. I also love this card. Uh, Hellkite Char Charger is one of my one of my favorite cards, and uh, you can do some dirty stuff with him when you have things like uh, Sword of Feast and Famine. Eric, I think you have that in your dragon deck, right? Or something like that. Uh, I have other things that I uh, bear Umbra, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Similar thing. So when this, card, <laughs> when this card first came out, I told the boys, I was like, all right, you can definitely like go infinite or essentially infinite with this card. And they were like, you're wrong prove it and i i couldn't but i figured it out so sword of the animist two mana uh equipment equips i think for one and then basically whenever this creature attacks search your library for a basic land put it onto the battlefield tapped so in something like mono red um or like green red which i think is probably the best landfall shell uh pretty much unanimously um and would have this in it uh you could get all of the basics in your deck which theoretically is a lot. So that's several combat phases, you know, which should be enough. It should be enough. Um, but um, I do, I think this card is uh, sweet because, you know, just having multiple combat steps and like really being able to hammer in that damage, especially um, if you can like wipe somebody's board and then just go in at them, you can just like completely take someone out. Um, and I do like that his, like you said, the first one, his first clause of 
getting plus one plus oh for each time an attack this turn it like isn't that great if you can only trigger landfall like once but if you can trigger landfall like three or four times now all of a sudden your creatures are hitting for plus three or four more on the front end uh which unblocked or with trample is like a huge difference so i, I think this guy fits not as the commander but in like probably a red green shell um or maybe like a naya shell um but i think he's pretty sweet and is going to be abused I, I do agree uh, that he's he's very sweet and very abusable. Um, I hate, I really do hate to do this to you, Julian, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm gonna need you to read that triggered ability one more time. Uh, those lands are entering during your combat phase, not during your main phase. So, Julian, uh, what it comes down to is, uh, you still need to prove to us that can, it can go uh, infinite. So here's the thing: <laughs> all right, can't go. You're right. Um. It can't go infinite as is, um, in, in just a mono-red shell by itself. But I think the point you made was that this belongs in a Gruul deck, or this belongs in a Naya deck, where even if this can't go infinite, everyone else at the table's dead long before you find out whether or not it's infinite. Um, so I, I think that is really strong. I think uh, one of the cards that I also thought of, which is like, once again, not infinite, but it's a card called Perilous Forays. It's from the original Ravnica. It's a, a green enchantment for three and two green. And it just says one generic mana, sacrifice a creature, search your library for... Um, oh, it says search your library for a land card with a basic land type. So you can get, like, shocks and other sorts of duels, too, put into play tapped. Um, so there are also a lot of creatures or a lot of things that will create tokens on at the beginning of your combat step or whatever, or something like that. Or if you just have a bunch of tokens, you can just pay one, pop it, get a land, get another combat step, and then just keep doing that. So there, there are plenty of things that um, can consistently uh, supply you with land so that you can get like like six or seven combat steps in a row. Um, which, For sure. Burnished yeah. Heart and a Sack Outlet, Solomon. Solomon's good. And yeah. even in just Mono Red, where you, you can really milk one turn for a couple of combat steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... I think this card has potential, um, but I I'm actually kind of a little, a little pissed that the the wording is like that. I, I mean, I think I think it's safe that it's like that, but yeah, come on, wizards, it's it's mono red and it's a six it's a six mana commander. Let, let us have you know, let us have it. You know, I'm we fine don't not need, having. We it. don't need more Godo helm. No, we don't. No one we don't needs need more Godo helm in their life. Listen, listen, <laughs> this guy should cost this guy should cost four mana, like two red red and be a four four and. Omnath should cost six mana and be like a five five or a six six. That's all I'm saying. Am I allowed to talk about Omnath now? Is that I what's think, happening? I think you should. I think you should. <laughs> I think you better tell us why it should cost more mana. Uh let me tell you why it costs the perfect amount of mana. Um hold on, I'm scrolling. I I I nope, I'm almost positive I know the effect, but I just want to hit it right. Okay, Omnath Locus of Creation. My boy's he's no longer raging. He's no longer mana, he's no longer roiling, he's creating. And what he's creating is a good deck. He's red, green, white, and blue. Uh, he's an elemental. Uh, I think he might be the first creature we've looked at today who's not allowed to be in your party. When he enters the battlefield, draw a card. Then he has a landfall ability. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, gain four life. Boo. No one cares. Get out of here, white. Uh, if this is the first time this ability is resolved this turn. So that, that only happens the first time. If it's the second time, add... Red, green, white, blue to your mana pool. Uh, if it's the third time, 
Omnath deals 4 damage to each opponent and each Planeswalker you don't control. So, let's really focus in on that second ability for right now. Um, that means if you play Omnath one turn after curve, or, or on curve with Mana Dorks or whatever, um, you can play a fetch land, tap it, get a land, uh, and this can be Evolving Wilds, or this can be, uh, uh, Misty Rainforest? Yes, Misty Rainforest. Uh, and you immediately get a refund for casting Omnath, which is gross. Um, and then if you have a third land end of the battlefield, uh, you burn everyone at the table, and, uh, also kill their Planeswalkers, probably. So, he's just good. And don't forget, you already drew a card for casting him. So if he's your commander, or your in Brawl or Commander, it's card advantage, it's resources, it's just all around very good. And I think this is going to be a Commander sort of like Corvold and Chulain and a lot of the a lot of the other really sort of pushed, but not like overpowered, but just like Wizards wants you to play this card kind of cards um, that we've seen lately. And I think that... Per- Pretty much everywhere from Kitchen Table to top-level CDH, this card's going to see play. Um, I think that in in a Kitchen Table format, uh, you can play it as like really like landfall-centric and trying to get all these landfall triggers with all these different creatures from every iteration of Zendikar, or you can really f- try and focus in on like the burn or the like life gain aspects of Omnath, where every turn you're hitting your one land drop and you're just constantly gaining life and preventing yourself from bleeding out. Because in, in a lot of commander games, you'll die to, like, just constant pokes of, like, I'm down to 13, and Chev's got, like, two 4-4 four, four flyers, like, I'm in a bad way. Um, actually, no, more likely Chev has Selenia, and then just does some dumb shit, and then you die. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that Omnath is, uh, I think Omnath's really, really good, and I think there are a lot of different ways to build him at the top level. Uh, shout out to uh, the Discord of people, uh, Omnom Blink, who are trying to build a CDH with uh, a CDH deck around this commander using uh, Narumeha as the as the win con and uh, like sort of constantly blinking Omnath and lands to infinitely trigger his landfall and just burn everyone out of the table. Uh, <laughs> they they they're doing some funny funny stuff and I I really like their build of the deck. Uh, personally, I, I'm taking it in a different direction, but I, I, I respect that their build might be better. Um, I, I, I've designed this, the snack pack, uh, which is, uh, food chain and, uh, birthing pod that will sort of use traditional blue pod lines and, and do food chain stuff. But y'all can read an article about all that later. I'm not going to occupy everyone's time with that stuff. Bunch of degenerates. <laughs> I told you the kitchen table ways to play them. They're fun. They're cool. They're hip. They're with it. Our next commander, I want to say, is less abusable, but when you're dealing with anything that returns stuff from the graveyard, you can never tell. Uh, Oak, who who is who is? Hola, Skyclave <laughs> Hierophant. Um, uh, <laughs> he is a core cleric, four mana total, two generic, a white and a black as. You know, many clerics are, white and black. Um, he has lifelink, and whenever he or another cleric you control dies, return a cleric from your graveyard 
to the battlefield uh, a cleric that is with lesser converted mana cost than the cleric that died. So, uh, this guy really interests me because uh, a little while back, uh, I'm not sure if you guys might remember this too, but I had a little build going for a uh, a cleric like sort of themed deck. Um, but besides the fact that it was cleric themed, it was uh, I was trying to sort of break the mold of traditional commander decks uh, where I had just a super low curve and uh, essentially like well basically no ramp. Um, and the idea of the deck was sort of to be as resilient as possible, but also being like a weenie strategy. And I think this eventually evolved into my, my partner commander deck, uh, now, which is like a weenie spell slinger. Anyways, um, it was, it was cleric theme because it used the two, uh, partner commanders, uh, the two, um, black and white ones, which are both clerics. Um, and basically using, uh, Timna, you would draw as many cards as you can, and then you could recur with Ravos. I think uh, Aura, Aura, here, uh, very well captures the latter half of that, and Ravos' ability, where um, it makes it very resilient and very... Uh, very... Uh, let's say I know I keep bringing up board wipes in Commander, but there it's always something that's on my mind when um, I'm... I'm trying to build these decks, and uh, it make, it makes it very board wipe resistant because you could have a a board full of clerics, and um, a board wipe goes off, and then you return with just like a slightly smaller board full of clerics. So, real quick question: Yes, um, if you if you get wrath, say you have like five clerics, say you conveniently have like a one mana cleric, a two mana cleric, a three mana cleric, a four mana cleric, a five mana cleric. If you get wrath, do you get the four, three, two, and one back because, like, the one that's above it on the chain sees that, like, it triggers, and then you can just get those back. You know what I mean? I, I didn't think about that, but I believe that's correct, actually. Um, because uh, all of them would see Aura's ability, and they would all be in the graveyard once the triggered ability is resolved. So, or one, once the triggered abilities go to go on the stack, so you'd be able to target them all with that. Um, does that sound right? <laughs> I, I think that is correct. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's time to bust out the graph diggers cage. Shut that shit down. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once you start talking that, it's it's time for graveyard removal. Yep. We're playing Bajuka Bog. We're playing... <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tormod script. So... Get all those clerics out of here. I bought that crop rotation just for this. <laughs> this card really excites me because, um... There, there's uh in my head there's a little chance of like seeing a resurgence of that and it's uh commanders like this are just something i'd like to see more uh in general printed uh where they sort of enable like a more resilient uh like low curve sort of deck um because really commander at the end of the day like probably 95 percent of decks are just all about big casting big spells right and, uh, but, you know, with cards like this, uh, sometimes, uh, it, it breaks from the mold a bit, but anyways, oh, he's, he's probably the one I'm, I'm most ex excited about, despite, I know you guys know I love Mono Red and Morag, but Aura's really cool, uh, if you ask me. Every so often you try awesome. to convince us that you're not huge Mono Red with something <laughs> that's another color, and, you know, I'm here for it, but I know next set, when a new Mono Red Legend comes out that smashes <laughs> stuff slightly better... We'll we'll see Oak's true colors come back out again, or color. <laughs> yeah. It's time to smash. 
Oak will like he'll like make a mono red deck, and then he'll be like, "Oh, I shouldn't play mono red. You know what? I'll play mono red, but with a little bit of black and a little bit of white. I'll call it Mardu. <laughs> like, I'll play mono red, but with like you know a little bit of ramp and maybe some counter spells. Call it Teamer. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly that is the exact thought process of every single deck I make. <laughs> I start with red, and I'm like, what colors would complement this? Oh yeah. If if you ever if you ever have an Oakley that's appearing at your home and you need to get rid of it, kind of like vampire style, you show him a Traxa. Everything but red. It's like holy water. <laughs> you play um, Blue Elemental Blast, and I just die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's actually original text on the card. Ah, uh, well, speaking of playing red and then splashing splash a little bit of green, our. Uh, our next commander is on the, the opposite side of Oro. This is this is a big card, like Oak was saying. We, we want to do big things. This is a Phylath, the World Sculptor, which is one of the cards that we actually uh, shouted out on our, our preview uh, tweets um, about last week. It's a four, a green and a red for a legendary creature elemental. There seems to be a lot of those nowadays. It's a 5-5, five, five, and when it enters the battlefield, it creates a 0-1 green plant creature token for each basic land you control. Uh, so that's... Avenger is in a car, but Avenger gets all your lands, and this one just cares about basics. But we're playing red green, so um, we can play a bunch of basics, I'd say. And then it has a landfall ability because it's this is Zendikar, so of course. And whenever a land enters the battlefield under control, put four, four plus one plus one counters on target plant you control. So uh, Avenger gives you a, a plus one on all of them. This one wants you to go big on a single plant. So you probably run Avenger in this deck, um, but this is cool. Plant tribal, plant tribal is existing. I don't, I don't know how many plants there are chev maybe you want to look that up while i'm talking for me that'd be great um but i don't think there's that many plants but we're we're giving them some love um another commander that loves ramping what a surprise um but i i do like the uh the kind of you have to make a decision between going big going wide or going all in and attempting to do both um I mean, Oak, you have a, a similar sort of deck with your your uh, your your teamer Omnath deck. Do you, do you do you have any uh, insights on this card? Uh yeah. I mean, you've already said most of what can be said about the card. It's Avenger of Zendikar. It's got red. Um, to be completely honest, I th- I think this card's a little bit dull just as a commander by itself, unless you <coughs> to play the aforementioned bless you. Uh, bless you, the aforementioned plant tribal, uh, the ever elusive plant tribal which I'm sure Avenger would be part of. Um, but actually, um, I was, so to your point, I would certainly slot this in uh, my my Omnath, rest in peace, rotating out of standard, uh, what, tomorrow, uh, <laughs> deck, um, because it is a big elemental that does awesome elemental things, has landfall triggers, which on, on, my man Omnath loves, I know. And... Uh, another, I, honestly, I would slot this into my Maelstrom Wanderer deck too, because you know, I mean, it's Avenger, <laughs> you know, it's a big, uh, it's a big elemental boy, and uh, it makes a bunch of blockers that just get bigger. So, Chad, how many plants do we count? So I, I was just doing a little bit of research. It's around thirty that are plant typed. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those have Defender, so you'd be looking at a bit of a wall build. Now, I did change the search just now to be, um, mentioning plants or plant type. So now we're getting things like Dowsing Dagger that creates two zero two green plant creature tokens. And I think you get a little more love when you're including the plant tokens. But a lot of plants, strangely enough, don't want to attack. They kind of just want to be plants. 
Too busy. Um, some things, some things to consider when you're going with this sort of like strategy of including a lot of plants are things like the I think it's Commander 2019 Turn Timber Sower. Uh, whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, create a zero one green plant and sack three lands return or sack three creatures. I'm sorry, and one green uh, return target land card from your graveyard to your hand. So with things like that, you have the ability. You know, you have a bunch of little plants, and if you're going tall with um, your commander of Phylath, then you have a few extra plants lying around for things like turn timber. Um, you could also play Tree of Redemption if you really wanted to. That is a plant. I actually really like Tree of Redemption. In case you were wondering. I, I was not, funnily enough. Um, we also have cards like Nissa, Voice of Zendikar, uh, which puts a 0-1 plant as her plus 1, and her minus 2 is put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on each creature you control. Uh, so you, you could make it work. It would be a little bit difficult. Um, this might be something that we uh, try and make with the, the Brew Crew just to be a little bit ridiculous. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's getting up there. We just need to return to Zendikar two more times. And we'll have enough Avenger of Zendikar offshoots uh, to make the deck a so real, maybe a real like good strategy. Twenty thirty two, we'll finally reach critical mass. <laughs> oh, well, I'm oh, thinking Julian. like I think, I think we'll see Zendikar two more times <laughs> in the next ten years. That's that's my that's my statement. All right, so twenty. So at least twenty thirty. Yeah, could cut two years off that. Tabrak hopes to. Uh, just kidding. No one wants to talk about him. I misclicked. Uh, I actually meant to click on Tazra Beacon Community. <laughs> Tazri, she's coming back. She won the war, um, and uh, she's still doing five-color things sneakily uh, with Mono White. She costs four and a white. Legendary creature, human warrior, because we're not about allies anymore. There's no, the war's over. It's all about the party. No more fighting, just the party. Uh, she costs one less for each creature in your party, so yes, you, you can have a one-mana 4-6. And then she has one of these like five-color activated abilities that's just... Stupid card advantage. Eric, tell me how this is going to be broken in CDH just like the other one. I don't think it will. I am sure that if you put more time into this than I did, uh, you could find some combination of clerics, rogues, wizards, uh, warriors, and allies that you could pull off the top and uh, just go for a combo. Uh, but I think that this isn't going to be any more broken than like Child of Alara in CDH. It's like... In that five color decks can run all the best cards and are powerful, it's going to be really good. But I think in in other aspects, it's not going to be very silly on that end. I'm actually really excited about it as like the peak like party commander. Like <laughs> you're running, you're running all the good stuff in this. Hit me with that coveted prize. Um, and oh, there's there's what's the one that revives the entire party? Um, I would thwart the grave where you, you've just, you've got like your curve is flat and it's just filled with wizards, um, <laughs> rogues, warriors, and clerics. And you're just, I, I think this is a hilarious meme build and I would love to do it. And I think that you could take it in a lot of different directions where you're putting in powerful creatures from each of those subtypes. Um, so less lab man and more, um, some of the other like high impact wizards. You're running all changelings, right? You're just, just, you know, chameleon classes. <laughs> Listen, I've done the changeling things with thing with the eggs. It's cool, but I like, I like to give credit to the actual people in the tribe. Yeah. Did we, um, did we ever get more of those 
There was that one green elf that was an elf, but it was also everything in the party. Were there any more of those creatures? Were I think there was another green one. I don't think there were that many. Why are they all in green? I, uh, I guess green is just the... Verdant the... Adventurer. Uh, no. One green and five. Verdant Adventurer is also a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. This spell costs one less to cast for each in your party. Vigilance, it's a human baseline, and it's a 5-5. Five, five. So it can be as little as a two mana 5-5, five, five, but you need the whole party out. Um, and then it fills slots in your party. Yeah, I'm not sure why they're they're just a green, but I guess it was an ability they decided was more of a, a green thing. Because green's the best color combination. It's a single color. <laughs> How is it a combination? You're damn right it is. Dual combo. <laughs> combo's I mean, sick. you're not wrong, but <laughs> I will call you speaking, out when I can. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, my college degree wants to wants to have one a plus zero. Beautiful combo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Eric, I was thinking of um, Najula Blade Blossom. I think it is uh, for this. She's a warrior. Is she not? Uh, also five colors. Um, but that was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, yeah, she's really good in CDH. Yeah, that's, that's what I've heard. <laughs> you could run a worse deck of her where you have to find her and then get to play her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think I'm really excited to see, like, a zombie Lady of Scrolls, like, shoot out, and then you got all your wizards and your drawing cards and stuff. And then, once again, as Chev said, then why aren't you just running a bunch of cha- the best changelings where not on- only are they wizards, but you also get to draw them and put them down and do just a bunch of stupid stuff. I love changelings, but the- so- sometimes they get up to some cursed stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work. And how does, that, uh, how does that segue into our next card, Julian? It doesn't, Chev. I just don't like the fact that we're talking about a Simic commander. You read this card. Oh, is this is this our is this our our uh, serpent, Verizol? Yes, sir. The split current. Uh, it's X Stupid green name, blue. By the way. Stupid name. Verizol. Sounds like just it's kinda, Sounds like medicine. No, I I'm I'm with Julian on this one. Verizol sounds like a cream that comes on it's, like cable TV. Oh yeah. Like NBC primetime, some cop show, and it's like Verizol can treat all of your like headaches. Um, side effects may include you know death by Simic, um, among other yeah. things. I've been a little congested recently. I think I need to take some Verizol. You need some Verizol. For all of your, you know, congestion and uh, tummy trouble needs, we have Verizol, the split current. Now, I've what heard it's does... got some kick. You want to tell me about that kick? <laughs> oh, boy. Better than the last six card transitions combined. Uh, Verizol, the split current, uh, enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each mana spent to cast it. Now, one of the big things here is, of course commander tax um will lead to more one one counters uh whenever you cast a kick spell you may remove two one one counters from verizol if you do copy that spell you may choose new targets for the copy so instantly you know this is hitting um like a ton of really cool uh spells that you might want to copy i was doing a little bit of research beforehand and you know we recently had dominaria which also brought back kicker and so you have things like grow from the ashes which is a green two generic kicker cost two uh, search your library for a basic land. If it was kicked, uh, search for two basics. And now you know you're you're copying it with Verizol, um, the, and you're you're getting four lands for five mana, sort of thing. And with the new inscription cycle, that gives you a lot of crazy stuff, uh, as well as you know all kinds of classic spells. And you know this isn't the first time that a kicker commander has come out. There was, I think it's Halar, the Fire Fletcher uh, from Dominaria, which was Gruul. Uh, and that got a 1-1 counter 
whenever uh, you play to kick spell, then deals damage to your opponents equal to the number of one one counters. I mean, like I I like how <laughs> one one counters were still featured, and you know, I'm sure you could do some sneaky stuff with like loading it with one one counters and then playing a kick spell for death. But overall, the power of Verizal is just you know that much higher. As soon as you're getting to copying spells and you have access to blue uh, as opposed to red, you know nothing against Oak and his love of the color of Smash. Um, but when it comes to you know eternal eternal things, I'd much rather have a counter spell than a a lightning bolt. Uh, as it were. So I, I think Verizal has a, a ton of power to kind of like capitalize on all the blue and uh, green kicker cards that are out there already. And even with the, the cards that are also like kicker benefits um, that we got from this set, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Coralheim Chronicler. Uh, whenever you cast a kick spell, draw and discard. When it enters, look at the top five, reveal a card with a kicker ability from among them and put it into your hand. And there's another spell that, you know, returns cards from the graveyard with kicker. So I think this has the potential to be something really, really cool. We could definitely see this in a brawl build coming up sometime soon. As much as I am wanting to hate, um, I actually do think this is one of the most interesting Simic commanders and we've we've had in a, a while. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, choices in terms of just playing with the card around. I really like how there's X so that, you know, like you were saying, you commander cost will add the number of plus one plus one counters like the second time you cast it theoretically it's just four but depending on where you cast it you could just make this like a seven seven and i think there's a lot of interesting decisions as well um in terms of what kicker cards do you include um and then when do you kick them and then of course you always have to manage the amount of counters on verizol because you do have to remove those counters so you're like do i remove those last two counters to um you know uh, copy this spell or do I need something that's going to proliferate so that I can keep Verizal alive so I can continue so I think there are a lot of interesting decisions to be uh, played with this card and I hope that it in general doesn't become just you know Simic generic good stuff and then you just include like five really busted kicker cards and then you copy them and you're like all right that's how I win the game Julian, are you saying you'll have a problem with my strategy of playing Verizal, Doubling Season, Primal Growth, and that new Jumpstart card that doubles the number of 1-1 counters? Because it sounds like you're, you're particularly hating on my fun strategy of... You should also play Inexorable Tide in that Inexorable build? Tide, yes, perfect. I will, I'll throw that in okay. as well. So I love Inexorable Tide, and I try and look for ways to incorporate that. Basically, you know, at the beginning, do nothing 5-mana enchantment as much as I can. Um, I think if you're playing things like Doubling Season, uh, was Primal Vigor is the other one, um, those ones, you might be taking the easy way out. You might be a little bit of a coward, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> is, is winning cowardly? Did I miss that update to the game where winning is cowardly? Eric, he's got a point. It's um, Then I won't be able to block Warriors. Mm. And, and that is something I have to consider, especially if Oak is playing uh, Morog, Fury of Akum. Or if Eric's playing his General Tazri deck. You see, Eric, we're the... Uh, the brew crew not the uh the win crew so not that we don't win our brews are phenomenal <laughs> yeah that doesn't sell as much could, <laughs> we're not Chev, we don't Chev win do we brew <laughs> we drink uh, we just brew trash decks and then tell other people to play them hey listen <laughs> listen if, if you guys have seen my shameless plug just because we were going back through all our our deck list and transform to moxfield uh my zerda zerda the dawn waker combo deck that thing was a trash deck, but I still won with it, and it's honestly like top five accomplishments of all time that I got to pull <laughs> that combo off twice. For those unfamiliar, the deck uh, used Zerda's activated ability to basically try and go infinite, um, and, and it took, what, like six cards to do it? 
Yeah, what it took was your payoff? A bunch of cards. So, um, so what what happens is, <laughs> just go watch go watch the video in the deck. T- read that. I, it, it it little literally will take like ten minutes to explain this, but it required like <laughs> a, 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 an entire sideboard of like cards that we needed to get. And literally, we won with Almighty Brushwag. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> it, pro- it provided one of the best pieces of custom art for our site. So, highly recommend going back phenomenal. and finding that. Circling back to um, Verizol real quick. Does anyone know how this interacts with Multi-Kicker? Because the first card I thought of when I saw this was Wolfbriar Elemental and just making, like, 20 wolves. Well, I would think, like... All the multi-kicker parts of it are kind of just like one total spell. And so I was under the impression you copy the whole thing. Because there is particular notice on it that you copy the permanent. um, If you're copying a kicked permanent spell. Uh, So I think you just get double. Yeah, that would... This is going to get whack with Comet Storm. Yeah. (laughs) So... So Wolfbrow Elemental, for people who don't know, is two green green for an elemental. It's a 4-4. Four, four. It has multi-kicker for a green. So you may pay an additional green any number of times as you cast a spell. And when it enters, it uh, create a 2-2 two, two green wolf creature token for each time it was kicked. So I'm assuming, say you cast Wolfbriar Elemental, you kick it four times. You then activate Verizal's ability. You get two Wolfbriar Elementals and then eight wolf tokens? Yep. Which is not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. So I'm thinking Doubling Season, Primal Vigor, and Wolfbriar. And Profit. Comet. Oh, no, you can't play Comet Storm. Sorry. <laughs> you can play uh, hurric- Hurricane. But you wish you had Red Nail. <laughs> a Hurricane? That ain't got a kicker. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I think this is definitely one of the more uh, niche and interesting Simic Commanders we've gotten in a long time, which is... Is good. I, I like those kind of commanders. I don't like the just kind of like generically good ones. I like I like things that are uh, you really need to uh, build around, which is kind of uh, contradictory to the next one we're going to talk about, which is Yasharn Implaceable Earth, which is just he just wants everyone to have fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much fun are you trying to have? Are you he, trying to I'm have sorry, the government mandated amount of fun? Cause... He doesn't. He doesn't want everyone to have fun. He wants everyone to have uh, mandated love everyone's got a hug really. <laughs> yeah y- yasharn is here to make sure that everyone gets the appropriate amount of respect and time and space at the table that they need and if you try to you know hurt anyone or anything including yourself to gain an advantage that's banned he hates that um so let's talk about his stats really quickly yasharn implacable earth is a two green and a white uh, elemental boar. Sadly, he's not allowed in your party, but he can be the honorary party pet. Um, Yasharn enters the battlefield, search the library for a basic forest and basic plains card, reveal them, put them into your hand, shuffle your library. Not super exciting, but players can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. Now, Julian, you just said that you think this is sort of not a build-around commander, and I, I respect that, but I have now tried to mentally put him in maybe three different decks, and I keep being like, wait a second, I can't do that, I need to pay life at some point in here. <laughs> um, so, Yasharn turns off fetch lands, turns off, you know, any of the mana rocks that hurt you, uh, any of, like... You aren't allowed to pay for shock lands. You aren't allowed to pay for the bolt lands now. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you just aren't allowed to do if he's on 
the field. So he is a he you've heard of hate bears. This is a hate boar. Instead of a two two, it's a four four, and he means business. So I I think this uh you're right. And I forgot about things like Fetchlands and Shocklands. Luckily, when he comes in, he's kind enough to fix you a little bit. Um, he gets you a basic forest and a basic plains, which is all you need. You really only need basic lands. Um, but uh, I think this guy is really beneficial. I don't think he's a commander. I don't think you just play this guy. Um, at least with uh, the original Sagarda, she was like flying, had hexproof. Her stats were a little bit better, so you could like sort of do a Voltron sort of thing. But I think this guy is going to be really good in a lot of decks, and I think it, it will depend on your meta, um, because if you're playing uh, any sort of Aristocrats deck in your meta, this is going to completely shut that off. If you have anyone who's playing like mono black shenanigans, just sacrificing their own creatures, reanimating them, um, all sorts of stuff like that, that's going to completely shut that down. So I think this is really a tech card, but I think it's a very fair tech card. Costs four. It's a creature, um, and it even has that enter the battlefield thing where it doesn't directly ramp you. It just kind of fixes you a little bit, which I, I think is a nice touch. Um, so you're right that this is not a, a card that is uh, making or breaking in anything, but I think if you're just playing a good, honest Selesnya deck or a good, honest Naya deck, I think you just pop this guy in there because um, with your ability to tutor out creatures in those colors... Um, I think this can really put the hurt on some of those more, uh, some of those decks that want to do uh, more sneaky things, more tricky things. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't even know that you, like, when you put this card in your deck, I don't know that you have to build around, around it. I think this can can more be sort of like a a pull in case of emergency. Like, my opponents just played Necropotence. Sure, I was going to play a fetch land this turn, but instead I think I'll play Yasharn and uh, deal with that Necropotence. Yeah, like smash, smash Glass in case of emergency, you know, all that and, sort of stuff. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of really degenerate stuff that relies on sacrificing things or paying life. Or n- not not paying life, it has... Or yes, it is paying life, it can't be losing life. So you can't counter ad nauseum with this, but you can counter a bunch of other disgusting stuff. Um, so there's... Uh, you can get up to some spicy stuff with the Sharn, for sure. Um, and I, I think, like Julian said, it's going to be really strong in the 99. That's that's about all I have on Yasharn. I like him. I like his art. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not all I have. Uh, I love that his flavor text is just a giant boar middle finger to the Eldrazi of... In its hoofprints, barren dust becomes fertile ground, where the Eldrazi, these gigantic titans of death and destruction, like rampaged across Zendikar, like, turned, like, these beautiful landscapes into wastes and, like, totally, like, ruined everything. And then this plant boar just, like, wanders through, and everything's fine. He's just vibing. I know Chev's gritting his teeth not only because of the Eldrazi, but because of his Selenia deck. Uh, he's think he's gonna have some issues <laughs> playing against Yasharn. <laughs> Yeah, all all I'm seeing from Yasharn is is a way to make a nice ham dinner and uh, move on with my Eldrazi. Uh, Enjoy your plant based ham, Chev. You're beyond meat. My beyond boar. <laughs> so one one last thing. Uh, I know some of y'all don't watch as much as anime as like me or Eric, but have any of y'all seen Seven Deadly Sins? It's on Netflix. Yeah, this Hawk's mom just the mm, big pig for sure. Literally just, yeah, just comes out the hill. All right, anyway. Anyone who got that, shout out. If not, um, we're down to our last two commanders. Uh, Two legends with Z names. 
which is interesting. Um, both can be your party. Both rogues. Both relevant tribes. First one, Zagras, Thief of Heartbeats. Uh, four black and a red for a vampire rogue for 4-4. Four, four. Costs one less for each creature in your party. So could be a, a two-mana 4-4 four, four that also has flying death touch and haste, which is not too bad in my book. Um, other creatures you control have death touch, which I think is a pretty underrated line. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. Um, I think this card is sweet. I really love Rakdos. Um, I think it's an underrated color combo just because just kills everything just causes mayhem and there's like some really cool individual cards um i like that this is an aggressive threat with that haste uh with the death touch so if you have any way to give things trample like um there's multiple red cards that give like your entire team trample and since all your creatures have death touch now all of a sudden you're trampling over incidentally and as soon as you drop this guy down your entire board becomes uh either unblockable or you become unattackable because you can just kill everything with that death touch, death touch which i think is pretty sweet it's really uh uh the best defense is the best offense at the same time um you guys have any anything about this guy no i just i just think he's a a scary looking vampire guy who um you know the flying death touch haste is nice i am interested to see how uh what shenanigans can be done with giving your entire team death touch the trample idea is definitely a nice one and i i appreciate the um planeswalker death touch ability i feel like it's not as potent in um commander so you know there's a part of me that's always like oh i wonder wonder what else we could have put in there but overall i think it's an incredibly strong card yeah i i I would agree with chef um the only other thing i have to say is oof ow the edge oh yes oh he's 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 like number one edge lord yeah he's like definitely a member of like um what, what do they call the guys who really like insane clown posse like those fans? Oh. Uh, are they are they Juggalos yes. or Gigalos? I think, I think they're Juggalos. Juggle, no, because Juggalos is like, that's a different Juggalos thing. are male prostitutes. That's yeah, a different so thing. Juggalos. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but thanks for saying it. Um, <laughs> I mean, like you did. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he He's one of those. Like, he's a big fan. On on a different note, I think it's cool that he kind of looks like Kratos um, in terms of the, like, white plus the red marks. Uh, obviously, he does have that sort of, like, top knot thing going on uh i'm really not sure where that hair is coming from but uh he seems to be he seems to be bald otherwise uh on everything but his face um but cool design cool design all right last card and i'm surprised no one when we made our notes no one talked about this card because this guy just seems busted to me but uh zarasan the trickster aka the guy who akiri just like basically killed in the promo trailer if you guys watch that she was just like, yeah, sorry. Sucks to be you. Um, but he's a legend. He's in this set. He's a three, a blue, and a black for a merfolk rogue. So once a merfolk rogue. So once again, in your party, he's got flash because he's sneaky. Um, he's a 4-4. Four, four. And he has two blue-black return an unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. So like sort of ninjutsu, but for rogues. Put Zareth Sand, the trickster, from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So... Unfortunately, this doesn't work as well if he's your commander, but if he's in your 99, um, you know, works pretty well. But the kicker is, not literal kicker though, because I know we're talking about that. (laughs) Uh, Whenever Zerasan deals combat damage to a player, you may put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. This is dumb. Like, this is ridiculous. 
There are so many cards in like even if this guy is your commander, there's so many cards in blue that let you be unblockable. Like, you know what I mean? Or you're in black. If someone has like two creatures, just kill them both and then hit them, and then you get to th- take the thing that you just killed. You know what I mean? Um, this just seems ridiculous. Um, and the whole like pseudo ninjutsu thing is super crazy because like you know you can attack in with like there's a bunch of just like evasive rogues like uh invisible stalker is just one in a blue for one one hex proof and can't be blocked easy like just get in there all of a sudden now chev you no longer have your kozilek i have your kozilek i'm drawing four cards i'm gonna make you sacrifice permanence when i attack you you know that whole thing i don't know about that julian because new kozilek is my commander and old kozilek as soon as it hits the yard shuffles into my deck so no kozilek for you i'm just saying you do you do get to take that uh Oh god, the void no winner spells. Yeah, you do get to take void winner. Oh, true. And finally, wield the evil powers for yourself. You know, honestly, I don't even know if I could stomach taking that. I would just be like, I'm going to take this it that betrays instead or something because I just give in to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, something more palatable. Yeah, something more palatable, like something that steals all your stuff and makes you sacrifice a bunch of permanents. But exactly, yeah. I don't know. Do you guys have anything about Zareth? Because I. I was looking at what y'all wrote down about what you want to talk about, and I thought Zareth was like. I, I do busted. two things that just came to mind actually. One it's pretty one serious and one less so, uh, serious. First of all, I'd just like to say that, uh, or just like to comment on how many mill cards there are, like opponent mill cards there are in blue black. So you might be hitting uh, stuff that your opponents didn't even get a chance to play, stuff that you just buried straight away, or milled rather. Milled is a keyword now. Um, and the second thing I'd like to mention is, um, I know this probably flew under the radar because it was overcast by a, a much, uh, larger version of itself. Um, does anyone remember Oko the Trickster? Um, with uh, the same yeah. suffix as this man? Um, it was the Oko from, I believe, the Precon in Throne of Eldraine? But, uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, interesting. Look at that! That's a card! <laughs> they're they're both tricksters, so, I mean, they're both the trickster, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, I don't know, like... Each plane only gets one. Yeah, I don't know who's <laughs> trickier here, or, like, what what's going on with that, but, um, that's, that's very interesting that they're both the trickster. <laughs> to, uh, you to see me. what's gonna happen is... Zarasan's gonna think he's, like, you know, top dog, he's the trickster, and then Oko's gonna plane walk to Zendikar and be like, nah. Actually, elk. you're an elk. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Fun fact, I'm not allowed to be anywhere else, so now I'm here. Because <laughs> yep. Oko is back. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, also, just was reading this again, and I think I read it correctly, but I didn't process it. It's target permanent card from that player's graveyard. So we can take Cabal Coffers. We can take Ristic Studies. We can take Omniscience. Like Use that mono black enchantment. Remember? Yeah. Ooh. Like I'm just Get saying, it. you know, well, the mill, I think the mill thing is like, especially incidental mill is, is legit. Cause you yeah. just incidentally mill something. Get those crabs going. Get the, oh, the crabs. What? The, eight crabs in modern eight. That's all I'm saying. Eight crabs in modern eight crab. All right. And then you can play uh Charx the reaching out too, as your, your, your nine through 12 crabs, even though they don't mill. <laughs> Therefore, when the mill plan goes sour and you just have to beat face. <laughs> Get them. All right, so that was the Legends from Zendikar Rising. Uh, we skipped only like three or four, um, so not bad. Uh, I think they're 
they're pretty sweet. But we have a few more legends that we want to talk about, and those come along with the uh, Zendikar Precon decks, of which there are two. There is a Naya deck and a blue-black deck. Um, Eric, will you tell us what this Naya commander does? He's kind of your uh, your expertise. Uh, Obun, Muldaya Ancestor. Uh, he is one and Naya. Uh, he's Jojo posing a little bit. Uh, he's an elf spirit. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, up to one target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn, where X is Obun's power. It's still a land. Uh, then he has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a 1-1 counter on target creature. Probably himself, given his ability. Yeah, seems about right. So, this deck is called Land's Wrath, and as you can see, it's got a lot of a lot of landfall things going on. Um, I mean, we've got things like Amiria, Angel, uh, Sun Titan to bring stuff back, Maltani Yava's yeah, my avatar, which cares about um, how many lands you have. Uh, Rampaging Balos, Minand and Wildborn, Omnath, Locus of Rage. Uh, we got some things that also care about the 1-1 counters. So um, things like Abzan Falconer, shout out Eric, Fertilid, uh, Tuscard Captain. I mean, boys, what do you think about this deck? This is looking pretty solid to me. I'm I'm a pretty big fan. I think I think it's really cool that we're seeing more Commander products. Uh, coming out this year because i know you know before coronavirus and all that this was supposed to be the year of commander sort of thing so so seeing this take on like a a land strategy um that is very focused on like creating these creature lands and one one counter synergies is super cool as well as seeing reprints of arcane signet and soul ring and all the the good commander stuff they can print out again what really interests me julian and and i guess everyone else (laughs) is the is the two new cards with uh no just julian i don't care about you guys uh the new cards from land's wrath one being trove warden which is two whites and two generic vigilance cat beast three four with landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control exile target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard when trove warden dies put each permanent card exiled with it onto the battlefield under the control of that card's owner so i mean we're in sun titan territory with like you can get back lands um, you can get back like all those cheap little enchantments uh, or uh, auras that you use to kind of like ping down your opponent. And so just like having that ability of recursion in white at this scale is super freaking cool. I think this card's sweet. Um, I like similar to what we were discussing later or earlier, like Eric was saying with Omnath, if you play this slightly off curve and then you play a fetch land and you immediately have two things queued up, um, or, you know, if you even have multiple land drops or a ramp spell or something, you can get, like, a bunch of things queued up right away. That's sweet. God forbid this thing lives a turn more than a turn cycle. Now you have all these things going on. Um, it's key that it says when it dies, so you can't do anything blinky, which there is a, a bunch of blink stuff in white. Um, and Exile is prominent in Commander, but I definitely think that there's plenty of opportunity to be um, playing with, like, sack outlets or... Um, if you just want to wrath and kill everybody's stuff, and then all of a sudden now you've brought four probably creatures back, but also maybe permanents that you might have needed, um, this thing is like really sweet. Also, it's looking hella fierce on the in the art. Yeah, um, people people talk a lot about how mono white and how white in general needs card advantage, and how like it's the only color that can't get card advantage or that can't sort of. Um, 
increase the size of its hand or increase the size of its resource pool. And I think this is a, a beautiful way of doing that where it's like, okay, like you can't get new resources, but you can reuse old ones and sort of references like white's ability to reanimate and to, to sort of interact with the graveyard in a way that's unique from black where black is, is like, uh, I'm going to pay a bunch of life and nearly kill myself and then try and win the game with all this stuff from my graveyard. Whereas the, this is, it's very honest. It's very upfront about what it's doing. It's showing you the whole pile of what it's going to resurrect. It's giving you a chance to interact before then, but also it can get up to some sneakier stuff where if you've got a greater good or if you've got um, like an altar of the brood out or something or um, an Ashnot's altar and you can just be like, all right, uh, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play a fetch land. Uh, I'm going to play a ramp spell and then I'm going to sack it and I'm just going to get all of the lands I sacked and a couple of extra permanents back. And I know um, the, the, the other card we got here, uh, Geode Rager, two red and four generic. Oak is going to be, you know, real excited for this one. First strike, 4-3, landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, goad each creature target player controls. Oh my god, I love that. First of all, the art is, he's just, like, incredible looking. Like, he just has this nasty, <laughs> nasty grin on his face. He looks like he should be, like, part goblin, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's in, he's model red, which is, you know, of course, great. He's an elemental, which is, I love. First strike, fine. Um, you know, kills Trove Warden. Uh, <laughs> and, um, of course, Goad is one of my favorite mechanics in uh, Commander. I will run Disrupt Decorum every day, uh, even in decks where it doesn't really belong. Um, I think it's great, and it sort of circles back to the thing I was mentioning before, you know, encouraging other people to attack in Commander, not just turtle up. Um... And this just this card just encapsulates it perfectly. So, big thumbs up for me. I don't like this card. <laughs> I don't like you, Julian. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I don't like that card, but I do like this deck. A couple of the things that I was I was perusing. Um, I think these both these decks, and we'll talk about the the blueback one in a sec. But I think both these decks are like probably the best. Like holistically, the best packages that we've got for a precon ever. Like it's not. There's nothing crazy, like you know, in a tracks or anything. And these are not part of like the official commander release for the year. It's not Commander 2020. But I mean, just in terms of what's printed here, um, and especially a lot of staples like Arcane Signets in both these decks. Soul Ring, of course, is in both of these decks. Um, the land base is nothing fancy, but it's solid. Um, I mean, Cryptic Caves is in here. Chev loves Cryptic Caves. Command Tower, of course. The amount of, like, just good cards that are in here and the amount of, like, sort of staples. Like, Hour of Revelations in here. Planar Outburst is in here. Like, Far Wanderings is in here. Um, Sylvan Reclamations in here. If you don't know what these cards are, learn what they are because they're all good cards that you're going to see in Commander. Um <laughs> I think this is just like a very, very solid deck. And I think if you're getting into the format, this is a great place to start. And I think if you are already entrenched in the format, I think this is just another good thing to pick up. I mean, I think this thing is going to play really smoothly out of the box and it has a lot of things that you might need extra copies of or a 
first copy of? I think the big thing, Julian, um, real quickly is like we see here, you know, with, with commander products that come out every year, generally there's three face commanders that all do something just slightly different. And the deck needs to support all three of those different themes a lot of the time. Like they're not completely different, but when you look at things like the partner decks from 2016 or uh, the land matters deck, like each one cares about it in slightly different ways. And what we have here is we have a single legendary creature that's kind of leading it. And we see like how that shapes the rest of the deck when we do have all 99 other cards rallying around that single synergistic commander. So I think it's something that is really cool and maybe, you know, a direction that while the, the commander pool gets a little bit saturated when we get more and more commanders with commander legends and stuff like that, that we could see maybe even more of. Like I'm, I'm okay with the number of commanders that are being printed in standard sets and other products. If each commander deck had one face card uh, that focused around that synergistic strategy, because like you were mentioning, Julian, everything about this is very on point and very online with what the commander wants to be doing. Definitely. Yeah. A lot of those early commander decks like the, you know, 2011 and 2013, they were really, they were really pulling in a lot of different directions. So it's cool that uh, we finally hit our stride. All right. Last one. This is the blue black deck called sneak attack. I wonder what we're going to be doing. Um, Anawan, the ruin thief is uh, the head. If you remember Anawan, he was actually Anawan, the ruined sage from original Zendikar block. Um, he was a mono black doing vampire things. Now he's two, a blue and a black. For a vampire rogue. So once again, we're partying. Other rogues you control get plus one plus one. So here's your rogue lord if you're looking for that. Whenever uh, one or more rogues you control deal combat damage to a player, that player mills a card for each one damage dealt to them. If the player mills at least one creature card this way, you draw a card. So we're supporting that kind of sub-theme of mill that rogues are doing. We were just talking about Zareth Sand doing, uh, benefiting from mill and I know you guys don't keep up with standard that much, but there is kind of a push amongst rogues that have been printed um, in this and also the core set to do a little bit of milling. So it's all kind of synergizing and, and culminating in this moment. Um, how do you guys feel about this card? I think it's pretty pretty safe, but cool. Yeah, I would. Um, I I th- this legitimately pains me to say, and I'm, I might actually need to sit down for a minute. Not that I'm already not already sitting down after I say this, but I. I think I actually like this commander better than the Naya commander. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, I know, I know. Strong words. It's gross. It's disgusting. Um, but I, I think that this, this sort of more has, like when you when you look at this, you immediately understand. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to build this deck, and you just get it right from like the text on the card. Whereas Opuin is like just a little more obfuscated in terms of like. Wait a second, am I supposed to be like am I supposed to just be buffing a boon or are these counters supposed to go wide? And it it offers a boon offers like a lot more deck building like choices in, in that aspect, but I, I like sort of like the very clear direction that An Anawan like puts you in in and then it just sort of pushes you straight towards the rogues and straight towards a lot of like very tribal effects that are that already exist within the tribe. Um, Anawan's coming with a, a new rogue friend, uh, Enigma Thief, five blue and a blue for a Sphinx Rogue, which I think is the first time we've ever seen that creature typing. Um, it's a five, five and it has Prowl, which for you longtime magic players, you'll remember this was back from a uh, Lorwyn block. Um, you may cast a spell for its Prowl cost. If you dealt combat damage to a player this turn with a Sphinx or a rogue. So it's Prowl cost is three and a blue. So quite the discount. Um, and then it's got flying, of course, and whenever 
Enigma Thief enters the battlefield for each opponent, return up to one target non-land permanent that player controls to its owner hand. So, um, very nice tempo play. Um, kind of, you know, just roguey. Just disrupting things, um, but not outright murdering anything. I do want to say really quickly about this art. I think this Sphinx is wearing a bandana, and I like the card, but man, does that look dumb. I agree. It looks like it's wearing a pair of briefs on its, or like, around its head. <laughs> Initially, I thought that was a mask and that its eyes were much lower, but then I realized, no, it's a sphinx in a bandana. Oh, Eric, Enjoy. it's a mask. It's just like a surgical mask. Homeboy's, homeboy's trying to stay protected from COVID. That's true. I, you know what? I respect that, but he's got to get the straps at the bottom then, too. He can't just be having that flapping in the wind. It's not safe. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I just want to know what he's got in his hand, because at first I it thought it was like just a head took something yeah he's, he's got your permanent in his hand and he's about to yeet it <laughs> that's kind of yeah, that's a little rude that's your it? commander sphere and it's about to get sent <laughs> oof, oof, that's rough um one other new card with this deck a uh, whisper steel dagger which i gotta say the art on this thing is freaking gnarly uh two and a black for an artifact equipment equipped creature gets plus two plus oh and whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may cast a creature spell from that player's graveyard this turn, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell, and it equips for three. Chev, you were not a huge fan of this card. I wasn't. I wasn't. Um. <laughs> well, you, you weren't. You weren't six hours ago when we discussed it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I. I mean, I. I'm trying to remember what I was thinking then. I'm not saying I'm a fan of it now. I'm just like. Maybe I maybe I've toned down a little bit, um, but I, I think I don't know. I I don't I don't necessarily like the the idea of playing cards from other people's graveyards uh, with you know mana of any color. So it's like clear that you know this is for commander or something like that. And I I mean one of my one of my things uh, is always around like you know if I'm if I'm playing a deck uh, I want to be able to play those cards and like that is my choice. And then a, a deck that kind of like capitalizes on cards that aren't mine is not really where i'm generally going with uh deck building that's fair enough and especially like it, it just makes it seem too easy and i especially in a deck that like focuses around unblockable or things like that i i don't like the idea of them just being able to or some opponent being able to cast things from my graveyard that's fair enough i mean we've seen a lot of effects that do similar things like this and um i think this is one of the less egregious ones. Um, That's true, yeah. To the point that I, I really don't know if it's going to see any play just because cost three mana, cost three mana to equip. Doesn't give any yeah. sort of evasion. It's going to be a while before that actually equips to something, and hopefully by then you have an answer. Yeah, and plus you still have to pay the mana for the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Is... You ain't casting it for free. Yeah, it's six to equip. So if they have a creature that's been on the board for a turn and then they pay six to equip it, it doesn't come with protection, so you can just kill the thing after they've paid six mana, and then it's six mana do nothing. Yeah, no, I, I stand where I did, but now I add to it that I agree it's not a great card. <laughs> one, one thing that I, I do want to quickly throw out there, overall, I do, I do really like these decks, um, but I... I was sort of hoping that they would go in a little bit different direction for the lands in the landfall deck. After, after like the, the face commanders were spoiled and we got sort of an idea of what the decks were going to be doing. Um, I was hoping to see like s- maybe like some of the tapped fetch lands get reprinted or like a fabled passage reprint in there or, or just like 
I, I know we don't want to push these too hard because then we run into the issue where new players like can't find this product because people are just buying it because you gain money by buying it, which is weird. Um, but I, I think that they could have gone a little bit more aggressive with the, the lands and taken out the Karoos, which are fine lands. Like, no no one... Well, some people hate the Karoos, but the, the Karoos aren't the worst place to start uh, your commander career. Um, but I, I think that they could have said, you know what? This is a deck that cares about landfall triggers. It, you want to play multiple lands in a turn. Let's just push this two inches further and say, you know what? Instead of the three Karoos, you get two of the slow fetches and fabled passage or s- something sort of similar to that. I, th- I think they could have done the lands just a little harder and just gone just a little bit further. I think the big thing, Eric, is that, you know, like always, I mean, with every commander product, the lands can always be better. That's, that's always the thing that said, and that it's always the room for the most improvement. And we all remember 2016 when the land bases were like freaking awesome and we want to go back to those days. I think I think some of it comes from like what these decks represent. And so we're not looking at a cycle of the commander decks here. We're looking at the decks that are replacing the Planeswalker decks for this set. So I, I now granted, like I don't know what added complexity a Fabled Passage or a Tap Land adds, but I guess it adds enough because I'm not sure there's even an evolving. Wi- oh, there is an evolving wilds. There is evolving wilds. I think there's <laughs> and also terramorphic. terramorphic okay, so it doesn't it doesn't add much, which kind of destroys that argument a little bit but i i do see from a a perspective of like what niche this is filling and we also i'm not sure we know the price point yet either like are these selling for the 40 dollars of um commander decks or are they like a little bit lower because that's where planeswalker decks normally sit i'm not sure if we've gotten those details or if we will with you know coronavirus and all that but i definitely think you know the the push was on making these maybe a little less powerful um, because they're supposed to be like, hey, kids, like you're new to magic. Here's a commander deck that does a consistent, coherent thing, and you just run it, and like it's not you know, at odds with itself with new power and cool ideas. I, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I, I think that is, that is sort of a, a very reasonable like, stance to hold in terms of like, do these like really need a Fabled Passage? And I was thinking about them from the $40 price point of like traditional commander decks, and so if, if they come in under that, I, I definitely think you, we don't need to add a $5 card to this or a couple of like $2 cards to like make this a little more pushed. Yeah, we can always say, put the original dual lands in there. Why aren't the lands better? And like, we're just, you're never going to get a deck that comes with like fast shocks and uh, or like fast fetches and shocks and stuff like that. Personally, what one of the things that I kind of see, and I know this is like a, I, I mean, it's it's an excuse to spend more money, but when it comes to magic, unfortunately, I'm generally always looking for excuses to spend more money. But when you're given a sort of like a, a less than great land base, it makes it very clear like what a certain upgrade path is. So when, when you're talking about a, a, um, a land deck, like instantly you're looking at these land base and you're like, oh, Fable Passage, like I opened that in uh, my 2021 pre-release and like this is perfect for that. So I think like it's a very clear space where you can sub out cards one for one and it's a a great improvement. Yeah. All right. Julian wants us all to go to bed. Um, that's true. Hey, hey, that's Julian not has I to said. get up early but and look at some rocks. We have been rambling, so uh, I think the last thing I want to just do is we are the brew crew. We're going to be brewing some stuff, so I think I just want to go around the horn in here. What's the uh, what's the first legend that you're going to brew around uh, in either brawl or EDH? Eric, what's your what's your pick? Um, I'm literally working on an Omnath article 
right not literally right now but like today I was. while we're recording exactly I, <laughs> no honestly shame. i didn't even hear a word you said i was just typing and you're like it'd be great to just mention that this is coming in the future <laughs> yeah. um oak what, what's what's the first thing you're gonna brew um i think uh the top one for me right now has got to be aura um aura aura and just because you know i guess all the reasons i mentioned before uh i kind of had a deck going uh, sim with a similar idea beforehand, and uh, I'd like to sort of uh, bring that back from the graveyard, just like Aura does. And uh, mm-hmm. but followed closely, I'd say uh, by Akiri, uh, who I think is also a really, really neat uh, commander coming from this set. That is cool, Jeff. What are you looking at? Uh, I, I'm stuck between the medical cream Verizol and uh, Cherix. <laughs> I think Cherix is going to be what I'm leaning to because I haven't messed much with mono blue. Uh, since my early days, and I think this could be like a, a, a back to basics, as it were, um, to, to make yeah, something yeah, truly yeah, unique. Yeah. And I feel like Verizal, like, you know, you play the kicker cards and move on, and it's more like a known quantity. But I'm, I'm excited for both. Nice. How about you, Julian? <laughs> uh, personally, I'm uh, I'm pretty hyped for Zagras, Thief of Heartbeats. That's the, uh, mm-hmm. the black-red guy with all the, uh, the death touch. I think that would be cool for EDH. I think I just want to, you know... I usually like to try and get up with a uh, Trixie stuff or build some engines, but I think maybe if I just come in there and just get aggressive on it. Um, but I think I might also try and look into a Kaza the Royal sh- uh, Chaser for Brawl mm-hmm. if you don't beat me to it, or maybe we could team Ooh. tag team that one. So uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm I'm all, all right. for it. All right, sick. Ah, uh, and on that note, this has been a long but very thorough cast. I think we uh. We talked about a lot of good stuff, and we're all pretty hype on basically all the legends that are coming out. So keep up the good job, Wizards. Hopefully uh, Kaldheim will continue to impress. And uh, for Eric, Chev, Oak, this is Jules. We're the Brew Crew, and we are signing out. (laughs) 